Your concept of God is the lens you see God through, and it has a huge influence on what you believe God is capable of doing, such as healing personal problems all the way up to global ones. Hey there, you're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 197. Today's topic is Quit Looking at God Through a Wall of Glass Bricks. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you're here listening today. Not too long ago, I was in the reception area of an office where there was a wall of glass bricks. Ever since I was a little kid, I've been fascinated by glass bricks and how they refract and reflect light when you look at things through them. While I was waiting, someone walked behind the wall. I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. In fact, There was very little I could tell about the person except some of the colors they were wearing and how fast they were moving. If you had asked me to describe this person based on what I saw through the glass bricks, I wouldn't have been able to get even close. I've been thinking about this experience, and I realized that all too often, we're looking at God through a wall of glass bricks, so to speak. What I mean is that we look at God through our own and others' limited and fear-based concepts of who and what God is. The sad thing is we don't usually realize we're doing this. We look at God. We know there is something there. We feel a presence. We see or know there's a divine power at work in our lives, but we can't see clearly what's going on. And there you have it. When we look at God and his creation through the distorted lenses of our limited concepts of him, or through the multifaceted mental glass bricks of man-made and ecclesiastical doctrines, or you could say the collective misconceptions of God accumulated over the centuries, we can never see God, what he's doing, and what he has created clearly. Here's a simple example. Let's say you want to learn to knit. You find the very best knitting teacher in your town and sign up to take lessons at the community center. But when you arrive for the first class, there's a wall of glass bricks between the teacher and where all the students are supposed to sit. As the teacher begins to knit, you can't see what she's doing. You can only hear her voice. But now imagine that even her voice is distorted by the acoustics in the room because of the glass bricks. 
Even though the teacher is going through the exact steps of how to start knitting and explaining things perfectly, you're not able to see or hear clearly because of the glass bricks. Now, I know this is a big assumption, but imagine you're not actually aware of these glass bricks. Actually, they are invisible. What's distorting your vision is the wall of limiting beliefs in your thinking. If you come to the class with an attitude that you're not very good at creative things and that you'll never be able to figure out how to knit very well, that's the wall of glass bricks you're looking through. Your self-depreciation prevents you from seeing clearly, understanding, and learning how to knit. What's the result? You think the teacher is terrible and can't understand why everyone else says she's so good. You tell everyone that it's impossible to learn to knit and that the teacher is no good. But the problem is not the teacher. It's the distorted way you're seeing things. Now, of course, if you don't have those negative assumptions about yourself, you won't have a problem. You'll be able to see clearly. Now, let's use this example as a metaphor for how we look at and try to understand God. When you look at God through those glass bricks of your own or other people's misconceptions of God's nature or your own negative views of yourself, you can never see or hear clearly what God is doing and saying. Your concept of God is the lens you see God through, and it has a huge influence on what you believe God is capable of doing, such as healing personal problems all the way up to global ones. But whatever your human concept of God is, to some degree it's limited and can never take in the fullness of God's being and nature. And if you're just praying with the human mind and even believe God is all-powerful and able to heal any problem, large or small, your prayers can only go as far as the human mind can take you. You can only perceive the limited scope of what the human mind can perceive or reason through. Now, this can sometimes be a useful step in our prayers, this reasoning of the human mind, but it's only when we quit relying on the capacities of the human mind and receive the revelations of the Holy Spirit that we begin to perceive God as God truly is and not just hold on to our own concept of Him. When you pray just with the human mind, in a way, you're kind of just praying to your concept of God instead of to God. For example, if you think of God as unwilling or unable to heal or solve a problem, or that God is capricious as to when or whose prayer to answer, and there are a lot of people who believe this way, your prayer will probably be more like a petition that you're not too sure will be answered. On the other hand, if you have repeatedly experienced God's healing presence in the past, your prayers will be full of expectation that God is willing and able to solve your problem today. Your concept of God is the lens you're looking through. It affects how you pray and what your expectations are. Recently, I was talking to someone who had been taught the words of Scripture. This is from Matthew 19.6. With God, all things are possible. And from Psalms 103, that God, 
forgives all your sins, and heals all your diseases. Those are very inspiring ideas, and I think about them a lot. But even though this man's church taught these words, their actual concept of God was far from these words they say they believed. To them, God was not omnipotent. He couldn't do everything. They believed in an almost equally powerful evil force, the devil. They talked about the devil not having any power, but in fact, they really did believe he had power. They quoted 1 John 4, both verse 8 and 16, God is love. But they put all kinds of limitations and conditions on God's love. They did the same for God's ability and willingness to heal. Just repeating Bible verses about God's healing power didn't bring any healing into this man's life, even though he was taught to believe it was possible. And then, when healing didn't happen, he and his church had elaborate explanations as to why God wouldn't, couldn't, or didn't heal in any given situation. They actually were coming up with reasons why God couldn't heal something. In a kind of an odd sort of way, they were more sure of God's inability to heal than his ability to heal. Now, you may be wondering where I'm going with all this. Bear with me here. I have noticed over many years that what we say we believe about God is not necessarily what we actually believe about God. When what we see and believe about God is distorted by human opinions, limitations, and fears, It's like looking at God through a wall of glass bricks. Nothing is clear. Now, I'm not trying to oversimplify things, but this may be one reason you don't feel your prayers are being answered. Do you ever wish your prayers could be more effective? What do you do when you don't feel God has answered your prayers, or at least not the way you had hoped for? I know a lot of folks who decide when this happens that whatever they ask for must not have been God's will. I even know people who get mad at God for not giving them exactly what they pray for, or they get frustrated. I had an aunt who said to me once, when things didn't work out the way she wanted, I just can't get God to do what I want. I think this was her basic approach to prayer, just trying to get God to do what she wanted and trying to convince him why he should do it. All this comes back to how we see God. Jesus explains this when he talks about the connection between what he could see God doing and what he did. This is John 5, 19. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus is basically saying the reason he was able to heal was because he could see the Father doing it. He saw clearly that God was always ready, willing, and able to restore a person's wholeness. Jesus had no doubt as to God's ability to heal. He could see God, and not himself, as the source of healing and wholeness. He must have always borne witness to God's ability to heal before he healed anyone. If you aren't healing and helping people the same way Jesus did, it might simply mean you don't completely see God doing it. 
Speaking for myself, sometimes I intellectually believe and accept the possibility that God can solve and heal any problem or situation, but that doesn't mean I have always discerned spiritually that God is already doing those things. Just saying and believing the words with the human mind is never enough. The beautiful thing in all this is that God is God regardless of how we perceive him, no matter how thick a wall of mental glass bricks we're looking at him through. God always sees things from his perspective. His vision is never distorted. Are you looking at things from your perspective, through distorted lenses, those glass bricks I've been talking about? Or are you looking at things from God's perspective? The Old Testament has lots of examples of people seeing God through their own distorted perspectives and thinking that's the way God is. Here's some examples. When the children of Israel entered the land of Canaan after wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, God is described as commanding them to kill all the inhabitants of the land, even the women and children. This is Moses talking to them in Deuteronomy 20, 16-18. In the cities of the nations the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin against the Lord your God. And Samuel the prophet told King Saul, this is in 1 Samuel 15, verses 2 and 3, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. That's pretty extreme. Now, if you take the Bible 100% literally and believe that God actually told Moses and Samuel in those exact words to kill all those people, you're not going to like or agree with what I'm about to say. Let's fast forward to how Jesus taught us to treat our enemies. He said quite simply, this is Matthew 5, 43 and 44, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For me, there's a big disconnect between how the prophets in the Old Testament described God's nature and how they told people to treat their enemies, and what Jesus revealed about God's nature and how he told us to treat our enemies. What's going on here? Did God's nature change from the Old Testament to the New? Could it be that the Old Testament writers were looking at God through their own walls of glass bricks and hearing what God said through distorted mental acoustics? They lived in a culture that supported this approach to dealing with your enemies, complete destruction. Were those some of the glass bricks in their thinking? 
When the Old Testament prophets saw the sinning multitudes, they preached God's wrath would punish them and then eventually redeem them. They did see something of God's redeeming love, but it was way off in the future. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because he saw how much God loved them, and that empowered him to love them as well. That's why he could say of everyone listening to his Sermon on the Mount, even the sinners in the crowd, this is Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. Jesus was not looking through a wall of glass bricks, either at God or the people in the crowd. And because he saw God clearly, he could see clearly everything God saw. He saw the people's worth because he saw God see it. He could love the people because he saw clearly how God saw and loved them. He could heal people because he always saw God as the unfailing source of their health and well-being. In other words, there were no glass bricks between Jesus and God. There were no distortions in the way Jesus saw his heavenly Father. He understood his inseparable relationship with God. And he put it simply this way, John 10:30, I and the Father are one. Jesus wanted all of us to experience this same relationship of oneness that he had with the Father. He prayed just hours before he was arrested for everyone who would ever believe on him, this is John 17, 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. In a sense, you could say Jesus is praying that no wall of glass bricks could come between us and the Father to distort how we see him. So the question really is then, how do we get rid of this metaphorical wall of glass bricks we're looking at God and his creation through? How do we get rid of our misconceptions of who God is and his real nature? Well, if there's a wall of glass bricks in our thinking, we have to become aware of it before we can get rid of it. The problem is that we're so used to it, we may not be aware of it, or we may actually defend the limited and distorted way we see God. So the first step is to have a humble and willing heart for God to expose any distortions of his nature that may be in our thinking. How do we recognize these glass bricks that need to be removed? It's hard because if you believe God is a certain way, you believe it's right. There are two things I have found really helpful in this situation. Sincerely ask God to reveal his true nature to you and to expose any false concepts of him you may have accumulated. And then look at how Jesus acted, how he lived, how he loved, who he loved, how he prayed, how he treated people. Since Jesus only did and said what he saw God doing, it's safe to say that Jesus' words and actions give a clear window into the true nature of God. So how do we detect those glass bricks in our thinking? Well, just compare how you see and respond to people and situations compared to how Jesus did. If you're halfway honest with yourself, the glass bricks, which actually are not part of you, will suddenly become very obvious. 
Once we've realized what glass bricks we've been looking through, it's time to humbly and conscientiously remove and reject these false limiting concepts of God from our thoughts, our words, and our actions. This isn't always easy, but keep your eye on Jesus' words and actions as a guide. Instead of looking at God and mankind through a wall of human opinions or man-made doctrines, Jesus always looked through the clear lens of what was true in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you've been listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast for very long, you know I talk a lot about this. If you haven't listened to episode 175, Living in the Kingdom of Heaven, it'll give a little more about this idea to think about, and I'll have that link in the show notes. That's episode 175, Living in the Kingdom of Heaven. Jesus began his ministry preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 4:17. That was the lens he looked at the world through. In heaven, there are no so-called glass bricks or distortion of God's nature or of his creation. Jesus could see clearly what was true in heaven, and he could see it present here on earth, right where we see things from earth's perspective. Paul hints at this when he says in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. I've been using the metaphor of glass bricks. Paul uses the metaphor of a mirror that gives a poor quality reflection. The great news is that Jesus has given us a clear view of the Father. He has removed the wall of glass bricks in our hearts and minds, all the things that would try to separate us from God. The only way to truly see God and understand his true nature is through observing how Jesus lived. Christ is an open window that lets in the whole, undistorted, unrefracted light of who God is. It is through Christ that God reveals himself to us. There's no way for us to see God clearly on our own without divine revelation. Jesus points this out and in effect promises that he will reveal God to each of us. This is Matthew 11:27. He says something pretty remarkable. No one knows the Father except the Son, referring to himself, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Christ has chosen to reveal God to you without any distortions of human opinions, culture, limitations, or fear. Christ is always revealing God's true nature to you. Take an honest look at whatever glass bricks may be distorting your view of God. Let Christ dismantle them. Then bask in the undistorted, undiminished light of God's full glory. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you'll share it with a friend. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a special welcome. You can always listen on your favorite podcast app, but I encourage you to sign up for email notifications on my website. That way you'll never miss an episode. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form and you're all set. And when you sign up, 
I will send you a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. Now, I've got a big favor to ask. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This helps other people find the show and lets them know what to expect. And if you're listening on another podcast platform that has a way to leave reviews, that's great too. If you have any questions or comments about anything in today's episode or about the Bible in general, I would love to hear from you. Just go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab in the menu bar. If you'd like to read a full transcript of today's episode and see all the Bible verses quoted, check out the show notes on my website. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 197. This is episode 197. And if you're listening on a podcast app, that link will be in the description. As always, I am so grateful to have you as a listener. I appreciate all the ways you've been supportive. We're coming up in just a few weeks to episode 200, and I have a very special show planned to celebrate. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.